Now, boys and girls, I'm going to read uh, some verses of Scripture before we come to show you the things I want to show you. Some of you have been up here. You've probably seen some of the things already. But I'm going to read a verse of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 8 of the chapter. And then I'm going to read some verses from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So if you get uh, Hebrews chapter 1, put your finger in Revelation chapter 4. So Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And then in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, boys and girls, you might have uh, remembered from last weekend where we were celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and the Queen was uh, came to the throne 70 years ago, and she has been reigning for 70 years. And then in 1953, uh, I put 1952 there, but 1953 was the Queen's coronation, and she was crowned then, uh, and she was made the Queen of the Commonwealth, the Queen of Britain, the Queen of Australia and Canada, and all sorts of uh, places across the world. And you think about the Queen being crowned. Now, I have some things with me today that would have been used, well, not the things that I have. I haven't robbed the uh, Tower of London, but of some things that are like the things that were used in the coronation ceremony. Now, here's the first one. It's a sword. Now, in the coronation, they gave the queen a sword. And it's called, the sword that they gave to the queen is called the sword of state. Now, it's much more elaborate than that one. It's a, a golden sword. But here you have the archbishop presenting the queen with the sword of state. And then she took the sword of state and she put it on the altar. And that's the other picture that is there. Now, what is the sword of state? Well, the sword of state was to represent the fact that she bore the sword against evil. And you read in the Bible how that a ruler or a magistrate or a king or a queen or whoever's in charge is to be a terror against evil. 
And that's what she was to do. It was that she was, it represents that the fact that she bears law and she bears justice. This is the sword of justice. And you know, boys and girls, that reminds us of something. The fact that she needs to bear the sword of justice, and sometimes it represents the punishment against uh, injustice, it reminds us of the evil that there is in the world. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, God bears the just the sword of his justice and the sword of his word, and he's laid down his law, and you can't, uh, you can't go against the law of God and get away with it. And that's what the sword represents. It's represented it when the queen was crowned, and we think of how God bears the sword of his justice. It means that you can't sin and get away with it. It means that there is a punishment against sin, and there has to be. People just can't do things and get away with it. So that's the first thing that was given to the queen at her coronation. Then there is a second thing. What is that? The Bible. She was given a Bible at her coronation. It says there that the moderator of the Church of Scotland will receive the Bible and he will present it to the Queen and he will say, Our gracious Queen, uh, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and gospel of God as the rule of, for the whole life and government of the Christian princes, we present you with this book uh, we most, uh, the most valuable thing that the world affords. And then the moderator will say, here is wisdom, here is the royal law, here are the lively oracles of God. Now, those are things that the Bible uh, says about itself. It is wisdom, it's God's royal law, it is the word of God. And when she's given the Bible, you can see the pictures there, of the queen holding the Bible that she was given at her coronation, and she's told that this is the most valuable thing that the world affords. And so it is, because while there is sin and evil in the world, God has given us his word so that we might walk in accordance with it, so we know what is evil, first of all, so we know what is right and what is wrong. We find that in the Word of God. And then what else do we find in the Bible? We find the way of life. We find the way of salvation through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood that we might be redeemed. And we've got to come the way that the Bible speaks of. And it is the most valuable thing that the world affords. Now, you think of all of the jewels, and we're going to see some of them later on, all of the diamonds and the rubies and the gold that the queen is given at her coronation, and yet she's told that's the most valuable thing that you're given. And that says something, boys and girls, and, and they, they are right. This is the most valuable thing that you could have. Never mind the riches and all the rest of it. It is the most valuable thing. Now, something else that the queen has when she has crowned. She has 
the royal robes, if I get the right way of this. She has the royal robes. She has, now, more if it had been a king who was being crowned, they would have had robes like this, the red and the ermine. Now, here are the queen's coronation robes. Now, the queen had these designed uh, by a boy, by a man named Norman Hartnell. And these were specially designed for the queen. But she had on the royal robes. And you know, boys and girls, what the Lord Jesus does for us when we're saved, he gives us royal robes. You think of how the Bible speaks about us that we have all our garments are filthy. He says that our righteousnesses, the things that we do that we think are good, are as filthy rags in his sight. But what does the Lord do with our sins? He takes off the old filthy rags and he puts on a royal robe of righteousness. My, isn't that wonderful that the old filthy garments are taken away and he gives us a, a royal robe because we are made kings and priests unto our God. We are made anew. We're made part of his family. We become part of the royal family of heaven. And isn't it wonderful then that we can have the royal robes? Something else that is used in the coronation. And that's the anointing oil. Now, my oil is not just the same as the anointing oil that they use. That's a picture of the anointing oil. It was, um, there was a chemist in London by the name that Squire and Sons, and they had to make up a new batch of the anointing oil for the Queen's coronation because uh, for some reason the other batch that had been used down the years had run out. Now, they will use musk oil and all sorts of flowers um, in the oil, but it's mainly olive oil like this. It's the same color as oil. And what happens in the coronation ceremony, boys and girls, is that it's the most sacred part of the ceremony. And the knights, these knights, you can see there, they're men with that canopy. And they walked across to where the queen was, and they covered her from sight of all the cameras. The cameras, this is one part of the coronation that the cameras didn't see. And then the archbishop took the anointing oil, was held in that eagle, um, ampulla it's called, it's called an ampulla. And there is a pouring out of the beak of the ampulla, and they poured it into that spoon, and then they anointed the hands and the breast and the forehead of the queen, and that was anointing her with oil. Now, where does that come from? Well, it comes back, it goes away back, way back to the Old Testament. You remember when Saul was anointed king, he was anointed with oil. And in fact, in the ceremony, they say that as the kings of old, the kings in the Bible, King Saul, I don't think it's Saul, I think it's maybe Solomon that is the example that they take, but that as the kings in the Old Testament 
were anointed with oil, so uh, the uh, king or the queen was anointed with oil. Now, there are two things that anointing with oil does in the Bible. The first thing is that it heals. Uh, We read in the book of James, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them anoint them with oil uh, so, so that they may be healed. And that's one thing. There is healing. And there's healing when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's healing for our sins. But then the other thing that the anointing oil was for was, as we've mentioned, setting aside kings or setting aside um, priests. The high priest was anointed with oil. And they were set aside for the purpose that God had for them. Do you know what God does with you and me, boys and girls? He chooses us. He draws us aside to himself and brings us unto himself. And you know, we are anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Very often, oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. And when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and makes us new and comes to dwell within our hearts. And I hope, boys and girls, that you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in your heart because you're saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. Something else that the Queen has in her coronation, an orb. That's called an orb. Now, the orb that she has is a lot bigger than this one. It is, um, I think, 318 centimeters. I don't know if that, I had that figure, but I've lost it. But it, it's a lot bigger. You can see a picture like that, Treholtner in her hand. Now, the orb that, if you can see in the picture there, the orb that the queen holds is covered in jewels. And it's gold, and it's covered in jewels. It's hollow. It's a hollow, round orb, and it's covered in jewels, and you'll see the cross on the top. Now, what does the orb represent? Well, the orb represents the world, and you'll see that it's divided into three sections, which were the three continents that um, the medieval people knew about. They only knew about three continents at that time. So here it is, the three continents and the cross above it, representing that the fact that the cross is above the world, that the cross rules over the world. And we think of how the cross of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made such a difference in this world. Our Savior is the one who really rules the world. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes, there is the Prince of the power of the air, and he has so much power in these days. And the Lord allows him to have the power. But really, at the end of the day, the one who is in charge is our Savior. And that represents the cross above everything. And dear friend, I wonder, is the cross all to you? Does it mean the world to you? Does it mean your salvation? Does it mean that you've been saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? So there is that that represents the cross over all the world. And the Lord has said to his disciples, 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he's wanted the gospel to go out in all the world that men and women from across the world might be saved. Something else that the queen has at her coronation, a scepter. You call this a scepter. Now, there is the queen's scepter. Now, you'll see that in the queen's scepter, in fact, there are two scepters that she's given, but this is the main one here. You'll see that there is a massive diamond. We said that when she was given the Bible, it was the thing that means more than the world. She held the scepter. The Bible speaks about the scepter of the Lord. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, you can see another picture of the scepter there, and that massive diamond there is called the Kohanor diamond. And it was given to um, the Queen King Edward, I think it was, after the Boer War. It was kind of more or less a, um, a sign of peace from the South Africans, a massive diamond, uh, as perfect a diamond as you could find. And that was cut into uh, a number of pieces. The biggest piece is at the top of that scepter. There's another one in the crown that we're going to see in a wee minute. And also the queen, I saw on the other day, has some jewelry with some of these diamonds. Absolutely priceless. And you think of the scepter. It speaks of rule. And the Lord has the scepter because he is the ruler and he has a right scepter, the Bible says. But you know, the Bible also speaks about the scepter that God's people shall have because he gives to his people royal rule. And we will be kings and priests unto him and we will rule and he will give us that special honor of being kings and princes of his. And what a wonderful thing. The Lord has the scepter. He is the one who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But my, what a wonderful thing it is that he gives to his people that right of rule. Something else at the coronation. You have the crown. Now, this, the crown, you'll see it's a, 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 a greater crown than this one even. Well, this one's made out of plastic and that one's made out of gold. But you th at the front there, you'll see the cross again. You see the cross under the bands. The cross again is central. And in the middle of that cross, this is the King Edward's crown. In the coronation, there are a number of crowns. This is the crown. I'll show you a wee minute that the Queen is actually crowned with on her coronation. It's the King Edward's crown. Now, in the time of uh, Oliver Cromwell, the old crown, the King Edward's crown, was destroyed. It went back to Edward the Confessor. Uh, it was melted down. So when King Charles II came to the throne, they had this one made, and this one dates back to that time. To its but it's called the King Edward's crown, and it is a magnificent crown, absolutely priceless again. Here's the Archbishop of Canterbury, 
and he lifts the crown and he puts it on the queen's head. Now, again, the Bible speaks about the crown that our Savior wears. In the book of Revelation, we're told about the fact that he will come and we, he will wear the crown. The crown will be upon his head. He will bear the sword of justice and the crown will be upon his head. And then, boys and girls, we're told that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There are a whole lot of people who do not want the Lord Jesus to wear the crown today because they don't want him to be king of their lives. But one day everyone will bow and they will own him as king, the rightful king. They will know that he is king. But you know, at that stage, it'll be too late. The Lord calls upon you and me to make him king now. As it were, to place the crown on his head. The crown is on his head. doesn't matter whether we place it there or not. But for ourselves, as it were, to place the crown on his head and own him as our king and our Lord. And then you know again what the wonderful thing is. The Lord says that he will give us a crown, a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. My, what a wonderful thing that we will wear crowns. And then the Bible says that in heaven we'll take the crowns and we'll cast them at Jesus' feet. Why? Because he's the one who is worthy. He's the one who has saved us. We didn't earn the crown, but we will cast it at Jesus' feet. But what a wonderful thing. He will give us a crown of righteousness. The Bible speaks about also a crown of life, meaning that we will, it's, a, it's an everlasting crown that we will have throughout all eternity. And what blessed things the Lord has for those that love him. Now, one more thing. I don't have a copy of it here to show you, but the throne. Now, we've read already in the passage of Scripture that we read earlier on about the Lord being on the throne. And we read in Revelation 5 and 13, and every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. He is upon the throne. He holds all power in his hand. He's able to forgive. He uh, raises up kings and puts them down and he's able to take the poor worms of the dust that we are and give us an everlasting crown and to be with him throughout all eternity. What a wonderful thing. You know, you think about the coronation of the queen away back 70 years ago. But are you looking forward to the coronation of the Lord Jesus and that day when he will sit upon the throne and we'll see him, and see him as he is. I hope that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that you'll crown him Lord of all. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy word to hearts today.
We thank thee for the coronation that is coming. We thank thee for that day when all the world will see our Savior upon the throne. O God, we pray that each one of us may be recognized as his. We might be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Bless thy word right upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, boys and girls, we have a few prizes for you, so we're going to ask our brother Glenn to come and do that for us now. Morning uh, to take part.